Hello Life Changes Church, thank you so much for joining us today. We've got an amazing word for you, so get your pens and your notebooks ready because God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy. Morning Life Changes. It is uh, honestly an absolute privilege to, to be here. We don't take this moment for granted. Jax is going to be uh, speaking at the Century City uh, congregation this morning and this evening. Uh, we don't take these moments for granted. Uh, the fact that you would be here, you've come to worship God, you've come to be uh, encouraged or, uh, or exhorted by the Word of God, and uh, some guy stands on the stage to do that. And so uh, I am very, very thankful. I come from a city called Durban. Uh, some of you may know it. And uh, yesterday was 31 degrees in the middle of winter, and we gave that up to come to be with you. And so just letting you know that we've paid the price to be here. Uh, today is 25 degrees in Durban, uh, clear sun, uh, sunny skies, all of that, but, uh, but I love it here. But in Durban, we have a place called Blue Lagoon. And so if you can picture these beautiful high cliffs, the ocean coming in to a lagoon-type setting, still waters, turquoise, Stunning beaches. You're nowhere close to Blue Lagoon from Durban. <laughs> Durban, Blue Lagoon is actually not the best place to hang out. But what does hang out there every weekend are souped-up cars. It's like one of the favorite places of uh, the car-crazy cultures to get together. And all of them seem to take these very old cars... And then somewhere in the, between the engine and the exhaust, they spend one heck of a load of money that they could have just spent on getting a new car. But it's not what they do. I, I, and I talk about they not in a discriminatory way. Uh, it's just I choose to spend my money a little bit differently. Uh, I'd rather have a car that works from a bit later in, in its model. But in that process, what you have is this this madness of noise. Have you ever heard a performance exhaust? I mean, I, I, I know it's also a thing in Cape Town here. I did live here for five years, and so I know something of the culture, uh, uh, the culture in the city of Cape Town, and, and I know it also kind of sits in some communities more than others, but uh, a performance exhaust. You didn't know that a car could make so much noise, and particularly when it's warming up at five o'clock in the morning in your next-door neighbor's yard, before they go racing, drag racing down the highway. Uh, I have that legitimately in my current home. But uh, there's something in what they call that performance exhaust called the manifold. Uh, so this is just a little bit of education on cars from a non-car person. And that manifold, I am told, takes all the, uh, the component pieces of the engine all working together to allow the car to move forward and it channels it all into one space which then pushes out the exhaust. And its role to get the best performance is that it absorbs so it doesn't create back pressure into the engine. If you are a car guy, please don't correct me. It sounds pretty good. And I sound like I know what I'm talking about. So we'll just go with it for the sake of today for everyone that doesn't know. And so there's that manifold which takes all the pieces, all the working parts or the, or the productivity of those working parts and pulls it together, which allows the rubbish to be put out the back and propels the car, allows the car to move forward. That's the manifold. That's Blue Lagoon Durban. 
possibly one or two places here in Cape Town that you can know. But then there's another place that the manifold is also quite important. And we see that in God's kingdom and in God's wisdom. And we read in Ephesians chapter 3 that it is the manifold wisdom of God is going to be revealed through you, life changes, and through us as Anthem Church, and through our mates in Johannesburg, Urban Life, and through other partnerships in this city. And so through the church, the manifold, this multifaceted, multidimension, all these parts of God's wisdom comes together into the local church, and how the local church processes all of that stuff determines the performance of the wisdom of God getting out and his dream. And so today, I want to try and elevate both the weight that we have of the local church as a local church, but also this incredible privilege and glory that we have of being part of the manifold wisdom of God being revealed through us. And so Ephesians 3 verse 10 does say this. It says the manifold wisdom of God, this multifaceted, all the engine pieces, if you can just work with the metaphor for me, comes together, the manifold wisdom of God, and then is revealed to the principalities and powers through the local church. And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, okay, if I'm part of the local church, I have a responsibility to reveal the manifold wisdom of God all this working pieces, all this wisdom, all this multifaceted dimension of God's kingdom and his, his, uh, his grand narrative and plan, and it, comes, it gets channeled into us, and by the Spirit of God, we do something amongst ourselves that then reveals to the cosmic powers how good God is. That is weighty. That's like, God, how can you choose us, broken people? to do that but he's made a way and we'll we'll get into that as we go in the story but um, I want to start with this just to try and get our order of thinking right we have this um, this thinking in particularly western philosophy that has largely shaped some of our thinking so I know that there are many cultures in this room and not everybody's been shaped by western philosophy but church leadership in South Africa has, to some degree, in our circles, been shaped by this, where we've believed the lie that uh, the, the, the human importance of my individuality has become the most important thing. And then if, I, if I'm able to take myself, and once I've looked after myself, and once I've taken care of my emotional health, which is important, by the way, and as after I've done all these things, if I've got any capacity left... I will think about giving some of that to the local church. Then we do stuff as life changes and we have an arise on the 8th of August and we have a men's evening on the 25th of August and we have a men's camp on the 15th to the 17th of September. I remembered all of those dates, free advertising. And, uh, and we, we, we have all of this stuff and as life changes, we can be so busy consuming ourselves with what life changes is doing and then we kind of go like, if there's anything left over, I can add myself into the church in Cape Town And if there's anything left over, I can add myself into the global church. And we all know that that never happens because we've run out of energy way before then. But God says something different. He says, actually, it's the global church that I'm revealing my manifold wisdom through. 
we are, we are human by the fact that we are part of humanity. And so it's the, hum, the humanity story, which is the big story. And it's within God's global church of revealing his, his incredible wisdom, his manifold wisdom to the cosmic powers, to the principalities and powers that we're able to find our position. And then God crafts us into Life Changes Church in Tableview and in Century City in this generation. And then he puts you into the story for now. So God works it the other way around to the way we view it. And so I want to re- help us understand that actually we find our purpose by virtue of the fact that we're part of the big story. That gives us credibility and weight. And then life changes to find her purpose within the story of the grand narrative of the church globally. And then you find your position and story within the story of life changes who finds her story within the cosmic church the global church. So we've got to flip something of our thinking around so we can get some of this Western philosophy which has really done a lot of damage to humanity over the last couple of, genera- last couple of generations. Get that out of us. We start to get some restored thinking, renewed minds. We read that in Romans chapter 12 that actually by the Spirit of God we are able to renew our minds and we're able to start to see, oh, there's a better way to do life. There's a better way for the wisdom of God to be revealed to all people. And so uh, we've got to answer the question, who are these principalities and powers? And as we do uh, kind of a study of the scriptures, and so I'm just going to give you my study. I'm not going to take us through it all now. But uh, these, these principalities and powers are, are created beings that were part of God's created order, but somewhere along the line, they have got twisted and distorted and they've rebelled against God and, they, and they're now trying to say that actually there's a better way to do things. God's way wasn't very wise. There's a better way. And if you're sitting in this room and you're not sure whether there's the spiritual world, the, the demons and, and uh, evil and Satan, and you kind of go like, oh, that's all mythology or whatever, I think we've just got to look at human history to understand that the work of the principalities and powers to distort the creativity of God uh, is, is evident everywhere. I mean, we don't have to look too far that the genius of medical advancements and what people have been able to understand and then how that gets twisted into into abortions. And I say that tenderly, not to say, I'm so conscious that there could be some people here that that have felt that there was no other option. And so that is not a judgment statement. But to say, actually, in God, there is one healing, but two, uh, there's another way. And the enemy takes nuclear power which can be so good for humanity and then the enemy comes and he's distorted it and put it as to these power hungry people and political powers that suddenly starts to become using it as a weapon against one another like there there is a very real enemy that tries to destroy and to distort and God's design is that hey church I've created you as this new being, which we're going to talk about in a second. And it's through you that actually you're going to reveal to all of these people, all of these created beings that have rejected God and rebelled against him. And they're all watching to see if God's wisdom is going to trump over their wisdom. And how we handle things determines whether those that are in rebellion to God are saying, see God, we told you, you were foolish. Or whether God's going to win and say, actually, my plan was wise all along. This is a very significant, weighty responsibility and privilege that we have as the church. 
And so you being here today and you being part of the local church is not a small thing, friends. You rocking up, you being present, you being here, even you guys online, just welcome, welcome. Encourage you to come into the room if you're able to, 10.30 next Sunday. It's a big deal. It's a big deal because it's revealing a story. And the divine wisdom, so it says there, and that it reveals the manifold wisdom. It reveals this divine wisdom of God. What is it? And so we read from the scriptures, and, and Paul actually says it in Ephesians uh, just earlier in that, in that chapter, chapter 3. And he says the, the divine wisdom of God is this, that Jews and Gentiles will be together. So what does that mean for us? It means this, that actually God is busy working a plan that humanity, there was a, a people, a family that was chosen which became Israel. And all of us that are not part of Israel, which I would guess is 99% of this room, if not 100% of this room, we had no access to God. But God's manifold wisdom was that he was going to create a new humanity where we would be able to gather, Jews and Gentiles. Effectively, Gentiles is anybody that's not Jewish. And so I am so grateful that God had a plan to include me because otherwise I would have been excluded. And it's this plan that we can be a new creation, that every race, tribe, tongue, culture can be together and be united. We live in a nation where we know so well what it means to be excluded. And I'm so conscious of the fact that I have sat on the advantageous side of that. I am old enough to know that when I was at primary school and in my first year of high school, if you were not white, you could not get into the school that I was a part of. I'm old enough to have experienced that. And God in his wisdom rewrites that story and says that we can be in a room together, praising God together with our different backgrounds and where we need to forgive and where we need to do that and where we need healing, we can be part of the healing and the restoration and all of that because it's in this community when we're united together, we reveal the glory of God and we reveal that his plan can actually work. Are you going to be a part of that story that Jesus invites us into? This incredible, glorious, beautiful story with incredible weight. And so Christ crucified for the unification and glorification of Jews and Gentiles in the church is the mystery of God and the wisdom of God. So if I ask you if Elon Musk were to call. Uh, Elon Musk, you know Elon Musk, you've heard of this guy. He's exceptionally wealthy, obscenely wealthy. So he actually phoned me the other day. And he said, hey, Rich, I, I want to do you a favor. I want to cut you into my inheritance. I want you to have a piece of it. And uh, I kind of first asked him if there were any strings attached. He said, no, no, no strings attached. I've done everything that you need. You just need to sign the documents. Uh, needless to say, I signed the documents, and I'm now part of Elon Musk's inheritance. Um, so I'm a good friend to know, just by the way. We all know that's not quite true. But um, if Elon Musk were to call you and say, hey, listen, I'm no strings attached. You can be part of the inheritance of my estate. It's like, 
hey, send me the docs. I'm signing. And just by the way, I'm going to just phone you weekly just to make sure that I'm still in the, I'm still in the story, right? Like you haven't, you haven't changed your mind. You haven't torn up the contract. You haven't. How much more does God of heaven, who has said you can be part of this manifold wisdom, part of the inheritance of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, you can be part of healing, you can be part of provision, you can be, you can be part of peace, you can have peace, you can have all of this stuff. And God says, listen, there's no strings attached. I've already paid it through my son, Jesus. All you need to do is just say yes and keep showing up. I mean, God is so wild that you don't even have to keep showing up to hold your salvation. But I do want to say it does reveal the glory of God if we keep showing up with the family of God and being a part of this. And so how do we make this wisdom known? And that's where we're going to just spend a little bit of time. But I want to just two comments. When we fail, this can go up on the screen. When we fail to live in hope, And to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, we send this signal through the galaxies that God's purpose is failing and He wasn't wise, He was foolish. So if we are sitting here today and we are not united with somebody, the gospel demands of us that we go and fix that. So that we can reveal to the cosmic powers that God's plan was not foolish, it was wise. If we are walking around without hope, I want to invite you into a story where God's hope is available for us. There is an eternal story that this present reality for you is not the final reality for you. And when we can get that perspective and we can have that eternal mindset, we're able to walk around today understanding that we can be hope to a world that is dying. And so in that hopeful disposition, as we work out unity of Jews and Gentiles, as we work out unity of every tribe, tongue, culture in Cape Town, in Tableview at this present time, and from whichever part of Cape Town you came from to this service, we are saying to the principalities and powers who are trying to distort everything, actually God knew better. God knew better. And so now we go, what is the local church? What is the local church? And so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Read with me, please. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's another way of the principalities and powers as we read Paul's writings. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thought. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not from ourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so there's this concept of works 
that do we work for salvation or do we work from salvation, which is the story of the local church and actually every human's journey. And we want to work from our salvation because God's given us that gift. And so there's this thing of the, of the church that, uh, that reveals this, this manifold wisdom of God, this glory, the cosmic powers, this battle that's going on, this rebellious thing that's trying to distort human nature and distort the creativ- creativity of God in us and distort us from having free lives, distort us from having the fullness of what God has intended for us, to take that all away from us. And we've all experienced that to varying degrees at some points in our life. And it's through the church. And so we've got to ask the question, what is who is life changes? And as we read the scriptures, I'm going to venture a, a definition of the local church. And now I'm not presenting this as this is the sentence that ends all sentences on what the local church is. But there's some key ideas in here that we've just got to understand. This is what makes the local church at its minimum. And it's an important question for us to answer Because I don't want to invest my time, my life, my resources into something that's not the church. That's not revealing the manifold wisdom of God if I think it is the church. Did you get that? Did I say that a bit clumsily? I don't want to spend all my time investing in something which is claiming to be the the church, but it's not the church. And likewise, I also want to understand that if I'm claiming to be part of the local church, am I meeting the requirements of being in the local church? So that I can play my part. Am I part of the grand narrative of God revealing the glory of God? And so a definition. A local church is a group of baptized believers who meet regularly to worship God through Jesus Christ, to be exhorted from the word of God, and to celebrate the Lord's Supper under the guidance of duly appointed leaders. Okay, you can just leave that up for a second. That's a sentence. The, the, the major thing here is not the sentence. It's, it's a few key concepts. And I want to talk about them quickly as the minimum of the church. But our dream is not to be the minimum. Our dream is to be everything that God has called us to be. And so we want to be everything that God's called us to be. But as a minimum, we have to know, are we believers? Do we believe that Jesus Christ was a real person who lived, who died for our sins and was raised to life again? The resurrection is fundamental. That he's not just some mythological figure or a prophet that had principles, good principles that we can live by. That he is actually the son of God who is the only one who can make a way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to experience the life that God intended. Do we believe that? So we can't call ourselves part of the local church if we don't believe that. But the invitation from God is, I am that. I am that. My son was given for you. And so if you are sitting in this room and you're not sure whether you can stand in right relationship with God, the answer is you can by accepting Jesus. What are the strings attached? Nothing. He's given it to you. Just say yes to him. And then in that, we start to see the spirit of God work it out in our life. And so baptism, I I put baptism in there, uh, and this can be a little contentious. I get that because baptism for me certainly doesn't, You don't have to be baptized to be saved by God. But it does mean that you've made the decision to start following Jesus. I believe in Jesus, that he has forgiven me and saved me. And then Jesus says, the way that we do this is we baptize disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so baptism is an indication that I'm choosing to make Jesus Lord in my life. And so the local church has to be filled with people that are both saved, but also following Jesus. 
And there is room for there to be some time gap between that. So maybe you're here and you've said yes to Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. That's okay. This church does baptisms, believes in baptisms. They have services for baptism. Get in on the next one and start following Jesus. What do we have next? They meet regularly together. This is a big one. I mean, as pastors, we we know this well. And uh, uh, meet regularly. Uh, Just a question. In your own family, maybe you've got some kids. We've got a bunch of teenage kids. We we presently have four teenage kids, but we've got seven children. If we were to have dinner together once every six weeks, would you say to us that you're meeting regularly? Or would you say, hey, maybe there's something not quite right here? Probably the latter. And so the church is a group of people. It's a family. So we have, we have our blood family. I'm married to Jackie and we have children, our blood family. But there's another blood family bought by the blood of Jesus. Life changes church. And the scriptures teach us that the local church, to reveal the glory of God, to reveal unification, to reveal uh, what his plan is, it needs to meet regularly. And so if you are in the practice of coming once every six weeks, may I encourage you to up that a little bit. We want to be part of revealing God's glory. And so come and be part of the room. Come and be part of the community. For you guys online, I don't know the reason that you're sitting there. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you can hear the word of God, but there's more for you. And it's here. It's here. As we meet together, and not only here, it's when the ladies get together to rise, and when the men get together at their men's time, and when the men get together when they go on the men's camp. That's twice. So we meet together regularly to worship God. There has to be praise. We we have to worship God. That's who we gather around. To be exhorted from the Word of God. What does exhort mean? Exhort means this. It means to urge you, to encourage you. To impress upon you. And so exhort is this fancy word that actually means a whole bunch of things. And so sometimes we sit here and we are encouraged by the word of God. Sometimes we sit here and we feel a pressing weight upon us. Those are both okay. But the word of God has to be central to who we are. So what does, what does that mean for us as a local church? Well, it means that the word of God is central, but we're also submitted to it. And so if you're sitting here today and the word of God is one book, upon many books that you believe in, may I suggest that there is something more in the scriptures than in the other books? If we're not in submission to the word of God as put together in the scriptures, we're not playing our part as a local church. We may be saved, we may be believing in Jesus, but we're not revealing the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. I want to do that. To celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is called many things in different places. Uh, in, the, in the Anglican church, it's called the Eucharist. Uh, here, probably called communion. Uh, I, I'm not sure. In Anthem, we call it the communion meal. Uh, but the Lord's Supper, just where we remember that Jesus actually paid a price for us to experience this. Jesus paid a price for Jews and Gentiles to come together. Jesus paid a price for every race, tribe, culture, tongue to sit in this room. And experience his presence by the Spirit of God. And experience healing. And experience provision. And experience all of that. He paid a price. We've got to remember that often. 
And then lastly, under the guidance of duly appointed leaders. God gives leaders. Every single person in this room, I am fully convinced, carries at least one gift given by God for the revelation of his glory to principalities and powers. But as he distributes those gifts, he gives some gifts to those for the maturing of us as a people. Because our desire is that we would mature, that we wouldn't stay babies. Imagine a baby just stayed a baby. The desire is that we would get older and we would mature and we would become uh, greater contributors to society. We would add value to people's lives. And so it is with us in the church. That we would, uh, we would go on this journey of maturing. And that's what Ephesians 4 teaches us. And then, and then elders and he gives gifts for the church. And so may I suggest this, that we've got two new eldership couples coming on in the 1030 service into the story. And it's, there's an existing eldership team, and they've been duly appointed by God's grace, by recognition amongst the elders of this church, and by recognition of those that are gifted in governance of local church having their say in. I've, I've been a part of this process for the protection and the glorification of you as life changers in your story of telling all the guys in rebellion to God, actually, there's a better way. God was wise, not foolish. But you have to give yourself to them. Recognize that they are gifted by God to serve you and love you and guard you and guide you. And so if you want to be part of the local church minimally, you've got to be doing these things regularly, gathering, submission to the word of God, worshiping God, submission to the, the leaders that God's given for your benefit, not for their benefit, for your benefit. If you're not acting that out, may I suggest that minimally you're not part of the local church. And I don't say that to point a finger at you. I say there's so much more. There is so much more. But then the church starts to mature. And it goes way beyond that. And the church is not just about the minimal church of meeting the minimal standards. But it's about being a great church. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10, in Mark chapter 10, verse 44. Whoever wants to be great among you must serve. And so what life changes do is we meet the minimum requirements of being a local church. But in that, we contribute together. We unify together. We bring hope to the city of Cape Town together and we serve the city. And I know that you are serving. You have Life Changes Recovery, which meets on 6.30 on a Monday evening for anybody that's caught up in, in addiction or behavioral issues that have just got out of sync or out of line. Come and be a part of it. The church is serving. It's revealing the glory of God. I know that you do feeding into Site 5. And you've done that to varying degrees over the years. But there's, there's helping the poor. There's, there's this, this glory of the church as we become a, a, a great church that serves, not just somebody that attends regularly. I know in my, my own life, my constant prayer is, God, as I continue to mature, Jesus, as you continue to, to be formed in me, Spirit of God, as you continue to empower me, may I not just be what you died for minimally, but may I be all that you died for. May I be part of the, the God's wisdom, the mystery of Christ, the unification of all humanity together 
showing that it is possible to be together, to live together, to work together, to serve together, to defer to one another's gifts together, to celebrate together so that a world that does not know Jesus can say there's something different, there is something glorious, and I want to be part of that story. This is what Jesus invites us into. This is what we get to be a part of. And so friends, I want to encourage you just very briefly, just three quick things that we, we're taught in our service to love our neighbors as ourselves. Can you be as invested in seeing your neighbor become all they can be as you are invested in yourself becoming all that you can be? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says it's one of the, the greatest commandments is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on and he teaches us that it is for good works. It's, it's that God is, we are God's workmanship created for good works. That once we've come under the influence of the power of God, once we know that we are truly free, once we know we've been saved, from that space, from that place, from that, that beauty, that, that amazement of what God has done in our lives, we get to bring others into that story. We get to serve for good works. And lastly, it's to all men. This is not limited to our friendship circle. This is to all men. And why is it to all men? Because once upon a time, we were excluded. But Jesus decided to overturn that. And I'm so grateful because I was not part of the story. And so as we serve others, friends, we serve our neighbor, we're in it for their, their best. We do not win if they do not win. We do not win if they do not win. We do it because it is good to serve. That's greatness. And it is to all men. To all men. And so today, as Life Changes gains two eldership couples, people who have ordered their lives around this gospel of Jesus, this good news of Jesus, who are able to work in the marketplace, raise children, do all of these things, but still have a high value of the local church and part of the story of the global church revealing God's glory. We can trust them. We can follow them because if you follow them, you become a little bit more like Jesus. That's the idea that we would become a little bit more like Jesus. So would you stand with me? And I'm, I'm gonna ask you as a church just this question. And then uh, possibly we could worship together. I'm going to ask you this question. So although we're not doing the eldership ordination in this service, there are two eldership couples coming in for the life changes story, which you are a part of. And so I'm going to ask, would you? Let me just get there. Will you pray for the couples often, church? Will you submit to their authority as those that need to keep watch over you as leaders who need to give an account? And would you make their work a joy and not a burden as we read in the scriptures? And so for Michael and Crystal and for Dave and Kasha, as they come on, they're giving their lives for your sake. And so be in unity with them as you give your lives for the life changes story and the glory of God. Jesus, we want to thank you for the beauty of your church. 
We want to thank you, Father, that it is your manifold wisdom revealed in the church, these multifacets of your glory, the fact that we can stand alongside one another in our brokenness, with our pasts of exclusion and separation, with all of that, something unique. There's a new creation that has taken place here. Black, white, colored, Indian, every tribe, nation, tongue, standing together, worshiping God together, holding hands together, revealing to the cosmic powers, revealing to the principalities and powers that God is wise, not foolish. And thank you, God, that you give good gifts to the church for their maturing and for their protection so that they may become more glorious. And so thank you for Michael and Crystal. And thank you for Dave and Kasha. And today as Life Changes Church, we commit to doing all that we can to be a part of this local house in the revelation of God's wisdom to everybody that does not know Jesus. Well, we hope you were encouraged and inspired by that word today. If you would like to know more about what's happening in the life of the church, please check out our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out our website, lifechanges.org.za. Enjoy your day.